What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I am your host, Movie Mike, joined today with my wife, Kelsey. How are you? I'm great. If you're new to the podcast, you come on from time to time to talk about movies, and I thought this week would be perfect because we are talking about 2000s movies. We've kind of got into a 2000s nostalgia kick lately. We have. So we each have our top five movies from the 2000s. We're going to review a new movie that just came out on HBO Max called The Fallout. We'll do some trailer park later, do some movie news later, listener emails, all that on this episode. Thanks for being subscribed. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You already know what it is. Let's get into it. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So today we each have our top five movies from the 2000s. I kind of feel like right now for the first time, I'm starting to see people itch for 2000s nostalgia. Like for the longest time, it's been all about like 90s and 90s fashion, 90s movies. But I feel now that us millennials are in our 30s. Hey. <laughs> Almost, I'm in my, th- I'm 30, you are not 30 yet, but I feel like there's kind of that definition now of what the 2000s were. For the longest time, I didn't really understand, like, well, what does that represent? Like, what from that decade is kind of what we come to know? So now that we've been watching, like, these 2000 movies, I kind of get it more. Like, the razor phones, the fashion, the okay, music. let's not bring the fashion back, though. Let's leave low-rise jeans where they belong. Some of that just needs to stay. The, like, tank tops over a t-shirt with a skirt over the jeans. Let's just leave let's leave the fashion back in the 2000s. But the movies, yes. The, the movies, movies are yes. great. It is weird watching movies from the 2000s and anything that comes, like, to technology. Like, the sidekick phones... Or like sending an email like on a really old platform. Or watching people text in like T9 and watching them click through several (laughs) buttons. There's just some things that feel so dated, but I think a good 2000s movie, you can see past that. 
I think one of the movies that I don't know if it's going to make your list, but like in the proposal, they reference YouTube as being one of the newest things, which it will make your list. You gave away gave my one away. list. But anyway, we'll get into our top five list before we ruin anything else. What do you have at number five? The proposal, ironically. Uh, oh, perfect. <laughs> and we watched that one recently and I had not seen, well, I'd seen it like on cable before. We watched it in honor of Betty White. Yes. Which I thought was really fun. Like, I'm surprised I hadn't seen that movie before because it has Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds. I had no idea Betty White was in it. Yeah. Why is that one of your favorites? It's so funny. I love like the cast. Like, let's also talk about how underappreciated Mary Steenburgen is as like the mom in a comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elf, Step Brothers, The Proposal. I'm probably missing others, but she is impeccable in comedies. So like her character is the mom. I love Betty White, obviously. Like Betty White is just, she was timeless, like as an sure. actress. And you and I were talking about how it's weird that we only know her as like the Golden Girls, like movie era of the early 2000s. But like, she's been an actress. She was an actress forever. Yeah. And it's weird even in that movie, in the movie, she's turning 90 and that's like a big accomplishment. But she, I mean, her almost reaching 100. I know. And I keep saying is, and I have to remember was. Yeah. Oh, so sad. I loved what I loved about that movie was I felt like it really represented 2000s comedies, rom-coms because of the plot of how kind of crazy and out there it is. But somehow it works. It's all about Sandra Bullock's character who is Canadian and then finds out that if she, I guess, can't get her citizenship, she has to go back and lose her job. And then that's where Ryan Reynolds comes in. Fake the whole thing and then the hilarity ensues. <laughs> so good. And just like some of the, I will say some of it's kind of like slapstick comedy. Which like I love. The most iconic and everyone knows is the scene where Betty White and Sandra Bullock are dancing in the woods. That scene is just, I could watch that scene on a loop because it is just hilarious for Betty White to be singing this like incredibly inappropriate rap song <laughs> in the woods. And then there's like the comedy with the dog and the bird and and that's also like long before ryan reynolds is who we kind of know him as now yeah I, I felt like before then he played different characters now i feel like i get the same ryan reynolds in every movie but i liked him in that i think he's just hilarious like as a person too and i feel like that movie like he kind of got to shine through so at number five you got the proposal yes at number five i also have a comedy i went with pineapple express from 2008 i've never seen it Really? Really. One of my favorite comedies. And I feel if there had to be one that I kind of pulled from the Seth Rogen, the Jonah Hill, Judd Apatow, which really all of them ruled what was 2000s comedies. I feel like this one embodied it the best because it had a great comedic cast. It had Seth Rogen, James Franco, Danny McBride, Craig Robinson, and one of the most successful stoner action comedies ever. What a genre. What a genre. They had it down. And I feel like for the longest time, this was a movie I could just watch at any point and still find funny. But they never made a sequel, which I'm glad they didn't do. And comedies has just never been as funny as they were in the 2000s, I feel like. You, could, you can't really make those kind of movies anymore sometimes. Even watching some of the movies back we watched... Again, I don't want to spoil anything that may be on your list, but even some of the jokes, you're like, oh man, how did they get away with that? Or you wouldn't make those same jokes now. The one you're thinking of is not on my list. Cheaper by the dozen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the jokes in that see, would seem a little insensitive now. And that was that was 2003. But yeah, I love Pineapple Express. Anytime it comes on, I have to watch it. So that's my number five. What do you have at number four? I would also like to 
make a disclaimer that Bridesmaids is not on my list because if you've listened to any episodes of this podcast where we talk about comedies, whatever, you know, Bridesmaids is my favorite movie. I didn't want to put that on my list Mm -hmm. again. We all know that. Okay, that's out of the way. I'll also give my disclaimer now. I didn't put any superhero movies. I didn't put anything from a franchise, so none of the Harry Potters will make mine. And no animated movies, no Christmas movies. I feel like those are kind of bigger in themselves, at least for my list. But continue on with yours. Number four, we actually just watched this earlier today, The Day After Tomorrow. The disaster movies. I realize that is an extremely weird one to put on here. But if you know me, you know I love weird like weather movies. Twister, which we've talked about mm-hmm. before, The Day After Tomorrow. But some of the effects, like looking back, are comical. It's like rough. seeing <laughs> it's just like a bunch of CGI and not well done. But if you think about it, like the early two thousands, we were still getting that stuff right. Coming out of the nineties, like some of the movies that come out early two thousands, it seemed so groundbreaking at the time and looked so amazing. And we were like, look at these special effects. But looking back on them now, you're like, oh, they were still figuring things out. But there's something about disaster movies that we bonded with like very early on of Twister being one of our favorite movies. (laughs) The Day After Tomorrow being one of our favorites. I think it's because disaster movies really embody everything about going to the movies of like, oh, watching something big, crazy, and ridiculous, and you can completely turn off your brain, not really care about the plot, and watching The Day After Tomorrow, like, that's exactly what that is. The tornadoes in L.A., the hurricanes, the helicopter freezing in midair, like, you just watch it, and it's entertaining to watch. You don't have to think about it, and I think that's why I love disaster movies. And I will say that as much as I love disaster movies, I am so scared of every natural disaster. We had Terrified. A, we had a tornado warning, what, like, couple months ago i am not prepared for any of those things i did i will say i was like we should grab like some important like Mm -hmm. documents like our wallets and you're like okay put on shoes grab some things and i'm just sitting there on the floor of our (laughs) closet like okay hope this doesn't hit us i do think it's ironic that twister is one of my favorite movies because growing up i was so terrified of tornadoes because we did grow up living in a trailer and it was like what are we gonna do (laughs) like will we have time to even leave go somewhere else so that I would always freak out every time any kind of severe weather threat came around. But yet some for some reason, I just love Twister. I remember when, when we were still long distance, one weekend I came to Nashville and it was a Saturday and I was up watching TV. There was bad weather. You had gone to the gym and then they started talking about a tornado threat. And I was texting you like, do you want to come home? I'm scared. And you're like, it's fine. Yeah, now I don't really care as much. I was I'm, like, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to get my, get my reps in. And I was like... All right. Well, it was nice knowing you. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on to my number four from 2009, I have Inglorious Bastards, which is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Also never seen it. Never seen it. Add that to the list. Uh, and for some reason, World War II is like my favorite thing to read and learn about. I don't know why, but like in, I guess, middle school and high school, we like learned about it. It just really like struck a chord with me and I found it so fascinating that Inglorious Bastards rewriting how that ended and what happened to Hitler, I just found so fascinating. And I remember having one of the most uplifting, oddly, or just like charged up moments while watching this movie in theaters because it gives you this satisfaction of like, man, if this could have really happened in history, that would be amazing. And I love when Quentin Tarantino does that, changes events in history to skew them into his mind and make them so cinematically thrilling. That's why this one is my favorite one. And I will say, I know this is a movie podcast, but plugging a book I just read about World War II. Yeah, I love it. If you like 
World War II type books like history, I would highly recommend reading Beneath a Scarlet Sky. I don't want to give anything away, but it's about World War II. It's based on a true story. The guy who wrote it is phenomenal. He went and like lived in Europe with the guy who this book was about to find out more about him, write the details. So it's called Beneath a Scarlet Sky. You should read it. Do you think that book could be turned into a movie? I think it actually is. Oh, think, really? Yeah, I think it's being turned in pre-pandemic, so I think it's on pause, but it was being turned into a miniseries with Tom Holland. There we go. You bring it all back to movies, bring it all back to things nerdy. We support all that on this podcast. I read it in two days. Like, I wouldn't put it down. Yeah. For those listening, Kelsey is a super fast reader and reads unlike any other human I've ever met. Like, some people's goal in life is to read, or like this year is like to read a book a month. You read a book in like what? couple days yeah you average what five six books a month yeah i'm about a book a week if not more yeah insane a couple weeks ago i think i read three in one week (laughs) but also now that i'm not in grad school anymore i finish work at five and i'm like cool i'll read all evening so i have plenty of time coming to you soon kelsey's book podcast (laughs) that'd be good all right let's get into our number three movies what do you have at number three Okay, I was torn between making this number three or number two, but at number three, we're going to go A Cinderella Story. Why is that one your favorite? It is the like embodiment of early 2000s, like teenage rom-com. It's got Hilary Duff. It's got Chad Michael Murray, who were all at the peak of their like coming of age, like yeah, this movie height is of their fame. Peak 2004. Jennifer Coolidge, Regina King. And some of the most like iconic cheesy lines, like the TikTok sound that went viral, the laugh out loud, that's her like texting LOL and she's like, <laughs> laugh out loud. Or don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Or my personal favorite, waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing. So powerful. Honestly, so I wish I could have used that on you while we were dating. <laughs> I, yeah. I felt like this movie really also embodied the 2000s from Hilary Duff coming off of Lizzie McGuire, Chad Michael Murray being like the heartthrob of the 2000s. This movie just was never appealing to me. And I watched it because you told me to watch it. We watched it last week. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we've been hardcore into the 2000s. I thought it was fun. And I think that's a lot of what 2000s movies were. But overall, just being something that you remember while we were young. Like, that's why all these things are kind of coming back now is these were so shaping of our taste at the time and reminding us of like a really good time in our lives when we watched these movies. The soundtrack was also great too. Yeah, it was really good. There was a Jimmy Eat World song in there that I was like, oh, Jimmy Eat World. So I think that's why I like watching these old movies back now too, because I feel like even though that type of music is kind of coming back around and having its moment again. But at number three, I'm going with the first movie that ever made me feel and it is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004. I've never seen that You're going over three on all my movies. Have I failed you as a husband of not letting you watch some of my favorite movies? No, you're just too busy making me watch other movies that I don't want to watch. Sure, newer movies. Yeah, we hardly go back and watch. Yeah, we hardly go back and watch older movies together. But why this movie was my favorite, I was probably too young to understand what this movie like meant on like a bigger level and what a relationship like this meant. But I was like at a point in my life to where girls showed no interest in me. I, you know, I would see other kids like dating and finding relationships and I felt like alone and like a nerd. 
But for some reason, like the feeling in this movie felt by Jim Carrey was a much older dude in a much more serious relationship resonated with me. And there are several quotes from this movie that have always just stuck with me. And not only that feeling from this movie, but also the cinematography in the movie, how kind of advanced it was for that time. And just the story itself of it's all about if you had such a bad relationship, had such a bad ex would you go through this process of erasing them from your memory? A great, it's just a great plot and a movie I just really love and encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to go and watch it. We should watch this one. Can I erase the memory of like people who I had a crush on in high school? <laughs> Is it that bad that you don't want to remember it? It's pretty bad. Okay. Then we <laughs> I have, yeah. We were both each other's first real relationship, so we have no exes to erase. But I could, I could stand to erase the people. I have some like flirtations that I could erase. Okay, there's one in particular that I. We'll like. get to that. <laughs> All right, what do you have as your number two movie? Step Up. Now that is one I. Uh, have I seen Step Up? I don't feel like I have. I own it on DVD. Let's go watch it. Okay, <laughs> that's the most two thousands thing you've ever said. <laughs> Why is this one your favorite? First of all, it's Channing Tatum. You like Channing Tatum? I did in 2006. What about now? Eh, Magic Mike ruined it a little. Why, too much Channing Tatum? Yeah. That was peak Channing Tatum? It's peak Channing Tatum. I like him in 21 Jump Street. Other than that, he has to be a part of a pretty interesting project for me to be interested in something. I mean, Step Up, the dancing was also just really great. I really wanted to uh, that dance is the again thi- after that. I felt like that was also a big thing at the 2000s. Dance, dance movies. movies. Dance competition, so you think you can dance. We had a big fascination with dance in the 2000s. The soundtrack to Step Up is amazing. It's still, some of the songs are still on my running playlist. What did this movie inspire you to do when it comes to dance? Are you about to make me tell my embarrassing story? (laughs) What did this movie do to you (laughs) that inspired you in your own personal life? Are you really leading me to that embarrassing story? What did this movie do to you? Okay, but this was years later. So I danced when I was younger. I took dance classes. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Got out of it for years. And then when I was in high school, I was like, I need like a, a hobby. I don't play sports. I ran like just a couple miles a day, but I was like, I want to do something again. So I signed up for dance and they were like, you should start with like ballet. And ballet was never my strong suit, but I was like, okay. They put me in a class <laughs> of people who were like four years younger than me. And I was terrible. <laughs> And the teacher made me cry one week and I quit. You quit dance class? Why did you make me tell this story? You gave up on your dream? (laughs) Just to show people (laughs) that you can fail at something and come back stronger. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't great. (laughs) I got my deposit back though. And that's all that matters. All that matters. (laughs) At number two, I'm in between two movies that I feel embody the same reason that I love them from the 2000s. I'm in between Juno from 2007 and Napoleon Dynamite from 2004. And why is because I feel like both of those movies were some of the most quotable movies of the 2000s. And I feel like that was a big thing of going to watch a movie in that decade. You go watch a movie, you bring back the phrases, you start saying them, and then other people start saying them. And everybody has seen that movie collectively. And we don't really have that anymore. But you know, you can sit down and rewatch and actually enjoy it. Napoleon Dynamite, you sit down and it's like kind of painful to rewatch. But it was so unique at the time. And you have these characters that were so like, what is this? Was this made now? Was this made 20 years ago? Like, what is the vibe here? 
but it was so unique. That's why it cut through so much. And it was such a low budget movie. Wasn't expected to be as, I don't want to use the word groundbreaking, but as kind of like a pop culture phenomenon that it was at that time. And I feel like with the t-shirts that came out after Napoleon Dynamite, with all like the success of it later, they did a cartoon. There was just so much that came from that. And it was all because of the quotes that came from that movie. I feel like Napoleon Dynamite probably had that more than Juno, but I feel like after watching both of those movies, I had the same kind of reaction. And I would lean a little bit more towards Juno because like you said, that is a little bit more rewatchable. I also love the soundtrack in that movie. It felt very <laughs> like I was watching Juno and paired with that soundtrack, it kind of reminds me more of that time in my life. You're a part-time lover and a full-time friend. The monkey on your back is the latest trend. I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else. 2007 is also my favorite year of movies ever. So I would probably lean towards Juno, but they're kind of right there, right at my number two slot for that same reason. We're going to need you to rein it in and pick one for number two. Now okay. that you just walked us through your entire thought process, let's bring it back. After all that, I'm going to go with Juno. Great choice. All right, let's get to our number one. What do you have at number one? She's the man. Also Channing Tatum. And also Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. Another movie that you made me or inspired me to watch. So funny. Why has that been your favorite movie for so long? I think, again, because it's quotable. And mm-hmm. I just, my friends and I would always watch that. And we quote it. It just, I think it all goes back to, to like memories of people that you watch movies with. And like, it's just like a good like sleepover movie. That's a thing of being younger too and watching movies. You would watch them all together, pop in the DVD. Get your popcorn. And hang out. That one, for me, I, uh, I associate more like Mean Girls with that type of era of like people gathering to watch a movie like that. Yeah. Also could have made the list, but she's the man. At number one, I would have from 2007, like I was saying, my favorite year of movies, No Country for Old Men. I think this is the movie that made me love movies. And I think it was that year specifically when all these movies came out. No Country for Old Men kind of changed the way I thought about movies. And from start to finish, it's just so, every scene is so important. Every line of dialogue is so important. Everything from the wardrobe to the set to look, like everything about that movie is like what I look for in a movie. I've probably rewatched that uh, more out of every movie on my list. I was, just watched I it. I just watched it again. And it was a movie I picked up watching in the middle of it watched the end, and then started back and watching the beginning. I will say, though, I've never seen it, but you turned it on, and I had already taken my glasses off, and I should mention I can't really see, like, anything mm-hmm. without my glasses, but I could see the, like, blur of Javier Bardem's, like, Bob-style Bob haircut, <laughs> and I'm, like, falling asleep, and I'm like, did you just turn on No Country for Old Men? <laughs> just by the haircut. Just by the haircut. Yeah, that, he is great in that, and just his overall demeanor in the movie of how just kind of cold and although his character is like lifeless, it's so sinister. The way he kills people in that movie, like the violence in that movie is just so unique. It's done in a way that I've never seen done before. And that's why it's my favorite movie from the 2000s. Okay. Also, if you watch that before bed, no wonder you had weird dreams. I did have week. really weird dreams this weekend. <laughs> uh, some honorable mentions I have are School of Rock, I Am Legend, the Simpsons movie. <laughs> the Simpsons movie? Also from 2007. Wedding Crashers, Super Troopers, Up in the Air, Aaron Brockovich. Oh, so good. Uh, mean Girls, of course. Shrek, which I almost just associate that movie with the 2000s, with All Star and just 
all the memes now that are everywhere all comes from Shrek. Walk the Line, probably my favorite music biopic. Old school, again, like all those 2000s comedies, Talladega Nights, Superbad, Accepted, How High, Role Models. Another great decade for like Will Ferrell. Okay, your honorable mention is every movie that Will Ferrell was in. Every movie. In the 2000s. <laughs> yes, just Will Ferrell in general, Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and then of course all the people I mentioned earlier like Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen. Like that, that's just the 2000s to me. And I didn't want to include like Harry Potter, Lord of the, like all those movies, like the franchise movies. I feel like those speak for themselves. They speak for themselves. They're a bigger part of movie history, but I just wanted to take a moment and look at the landscape of just regular movies from the 2000s that made that decade great. Any final words before we get into our movie review? Our lists were very different. Very different. Yours were a lot of, well, how would you describe those movies? Teen... Teeny bopper movies. <laughs> Mine were like Oscar, <laughs> Oscar movies and comedy movies. More trouble. We'll go with that. Do I get to give my honorable mention? Yeah. What do you got? Well, you said Mean Girls, Cheaper by the Dozen, which we also just watched yeah. a couple weeks ago. I don't know why I woke up and was like, let's watch Cheaper by the Dozen. Funny. It's a great movie. Great Saturday movie. Great cast. That was like the. That was also the peak of when Tom Welling from uh, Smallville. Smallville was, yeah peak of his hotness and to see steve <laughs> martin in that movie and we just watched him in only murders great show yeah he's funny any other ones 27 dresses good one feels very 2000s as well how to lose a guy in 10 days the wedding planner all the rom-coms all the rom-coms just everyone just every single rom-com sweet home alabama yes everything with reese witherspoon in it so that's your actress legally blonde how oh, yeah. Legally Blonde. I bet people were screaming that we didn't say Legally Blonde. Sorry, everyone. Yes, I love Reese Witherspoon. If we ever run into her in town here, I'll probably fangirl. All right, let's go look for her. All right. All right, coming up next, we're going to do a movie review of a new movie on HBO Max called The Fallout. We'll do that after this. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Gonna get into a spoiler-free movie review now. Talking about a brand new movie on HBO Max called The Fallout, which is all about this group of teenagers dealing 
with the aftermath of a school shooting. So if you haven't heard about this movie, we'll tell you all about it, whether you should check it out or not. But first, here's just a little bit of the trailer. You don't even need to wear makeup. Sorry, what? I just said you don't even need to wear makeup. I... What was that? Did you know anyone who died? So basically what this movie is about, what I was saying earlier, at the very start of the movie, it gets right into it. There's a school shooting. A couple of teenagers are able to hide out in a bathroom together. They meet another teenager who comes in during the shooting, and they all kind of form this bond of going through this traumatic experience together. But what I loved about it is that it didn't glorify in any way the school shooting and also didn't focus a whole lot on like the brutal details of it. It just happens. They're in the bathroom. You really just hear the gunshots, but that's powerful in itself. Yeah, I was going to say it's a very it's a very heavy movie. So very going heavy. to it knowing that, I mean, obviously the subject matter, but it's the way it's done too. It's very like poignant and really well done. I would say even like the cinematography of it. Like I even noticed the cinematography yeah. <laughs> and that's not something I normally pick up on. And that they didn't focus a whole lot on like anything about the shooter's story or the motivation or anything like that. It's all dealing with the characters and how this changes their life, how it affects them emotionally, how it affects their relationship with school, wanting to go back to school, home life. And that's really what this focuses on. And I haven't really seen anybody tackle it like this before with no other kind of external factors of like politics or anything like that. It's just focused on how a teenager who experienced this would go on to live their life and how hard that is. And I was going to say, there's also several different perspectives of how they deal with it. And some that are, I don't want to give anything away, but able to not compartmentalize, but try to go on with the normalcy. And then others that kind of just live haunted and paralyzed by it. And I thought that was such a good juxtaposition because that's probably truth for a lot of teenagers after something traumatic like that. I really like the lead actress in this, uh, Jenna Ortega, who I just saw on Scream. And it was interesting to see how good of an actor she is because going from seeing her in a slasher movie where I thought the acting was a little bit more soap opera-esque, seeing her in this and her range and how she's able to like easily fall into this role. I thought she was really great. I feel like she's an emerging new talent in Hollywood right now. And this is kind of like at the forefront of like a really groundbreaking role that's, you know, you can watch on HBO Max right now. So I thought she was really good in this. And overall, like, again, just how they dealt and made it feel so real and authentic. I feel like this is a movie that could have easily gotten a little bit like cheesy, almost after school special type but they're able to stay grounded in reality and keep everything very real, very authentic. It just has a really good effect and it says exactly what it set out to say. I thought it was done so well. And you're more familiar with this director, right? Yeah, Megan Park. She was actually in The Secret Life of the American Teenager, which is where I know her from, but she wrote it as well. Yeah, that's amazing. She did a really great job. It's so good. And I also think it's an important movie for people to watch. Just to, I mean, because we hear about these things so often which is sad but i guess like when i hear about it you almost don't think about the kids and how they have to go on going to school how much that changes of just like wanting to go back to school and live a normal life and how i guess we kind of look at it as like the news cycle of something else crazy happens in the world something else unfortunate happens in the world 
we move on as a society and forgetting about those people still dealing with that, which I thought was a pretty big takeaway from this movie. So I really enjoyed it. I feel like it's just kind of a slice of life type movie focusing on a very powerful subject. There's, it's really pretty straightforward. Yeah. I don't think you go into this expecting some crazy overall like roller coaster of a ride. It's just very grounded in reality, very matter of the fact, just trying to make a statement and point this out. So I think it's a good one to watch if you have HBO Max. What would you rate this movie? I was going to say, I almost don't even know if I can rate it's it. It's hard to I rate it. I was just about to say, I don't even think, I don't even think it's a movie you can really rate. I, I was thinking that too of like, while I really enjoyed it, I thought the acting was really good. I thought just the overall subject matter was very powerful. I feel like rating it is almost like, well, what are you breaking down here? I just think if that interests you and that's something you want to kind of understand a little bit better and learn more about how this can affect somebody, it's worth a watch. I'll just say that. Like, yeah. it's, it's worth a watch. Yeah, I thought that was a really well done movie. Agreed. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. And now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down a movie trailer coming to you very soon in theaters or on streaming in a segment called... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And today we're going to take a listen to the new teaser trailer for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It is coming to us later this year in December, and here's just a little bit of the teaser. I want to tell you a story. It's a story you may think you know, but (laughs) you don't. Not really. You see, I, Sebastian J. Cricket, was there. As a matter of fact, I lived, actually lived, in the heart of the wooden boy. So this is the story of Pinocchio that we've never heard or seen before in a movie. And the reason I'm excited about this movie is that Guillermo del Toro has been working on this since 2008. It's basically a very big passion project of his. He's loved this movie like his entire life. And just by watching this quick little teaser trailer had me excited about it. 
because of the animation. It's this kind of stop motion that I've never seen done so beautifully. He didn't want to get this movie made until he had the budget for it. And now that Netflix kind of jumped on board, it's finally coming out. And it looks like it's dealing with a darker storyline of Pinocchio that's been told before, but not in this way. It's basically taking the classic story of Pinocchio, who we all know is trying to be a real boy. But in this story, I think his father's not that great of a dude. And and now through this trailer, we kind of see maybe there's some elements of Jiminy Cricket living inside of him since he's an insect and living inside this wooden boy. I just love movies that come through fruition of it being a passion project and being something that a director has been wanting to make his entire life. And when you take a classic story like Pinocchio, which hasn't been updated in a very long time, I think that opens up for a very cool telling of a movie. And that's coming to us in December on Netflix. So that is what I wanted to share with you this week on. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. But before I hop out of here every single week. I got to do a listener shout out. How do you get a listener shout out? You may ask. All you have to do is send a tweet at Mike Dishro, send me a DM on Instagram or over on the Facebook page, or you can hit me in the most old school of ways on email. And this listener shout out actually comes to us from that email address, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And it is a question from Karina. She says, hello, movie Mike. Can you please tell us the order of phase four of the MCU? I do not understand the order of that phase. Love the podcast. Signed, Karina. So basically, we are already in phase four of Marvel. It started with Black Widow that came out last year and went on to Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Spider-Man. And where it kind of picks up this year is with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Later this year, we'll get Thor, Love and Thunder, followed by Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And that's basically phase four in 2022. If nothing else gets delayed or nothing else changes, that's what we have to expect in this year. Further down the line, we have The Marvels in 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in 2023, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania also coming out in 2023, and the final one in Phase 4 should be the Fantastic Four, which isn't confirmed yet. And that's probably the one I'm the least excited about. Unless all these other movies coming before it tie them in somewhere I'm not really that hyped for a Fantastic Four movie. Is this going to be the third remake? The third remake. It's kind of pulling a Spider-Man. Yeah, but Fantastic Four has just never really been that memorable. Like, I've never watched a Fantastic Four and been inspired by I've been wanting to see more. I like The Thing, and that's about it. Other than that, there's just, I don't know, there's just nothing really gripping about the Fantastic Four that would get me excited about it, but... I also said that before watching No Way Home, and now I'm a little bit excited for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That kind of is a great lead into that movie, and without that one, I probably wouldn't have been excited about that. So we'll see what happens. Any of those sound exciting to you? Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther. Yeah, so this year. Yeah. And then also you have all the Marvel TV shows, which would be a lot to get into and how they're all kind of intertwining. That's also a part of phase four. Don't do that. But I will just focus on the movies. But thanks, Karina, for that question. If you have a movie question, you can email me that as well. And I'll give you a shout out and answer your question. Kelsey, thank you for hanging out with me on this week's episode. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Especially since you made me tell my embarrassing story. About what? (laughs) I will think of my revenge. Okay, any other final thoughts for this week's episode? 
trying to think if there were any other good 2000s movies. I know I've missed some. Somebody's going to be like, what about this? Yeah, we will get those. Always get those. I think the complaint I get the most is probably not mentioning a movie when I do lists like this, which I'm used to, mainly because I make a big list and sometimes I just don't like that movie. We can't all like the same movies, but it's okay. I did think of one honorable mention, John Tucker Must Die. There you go. And I will leave you with that. And if you want to follow me on TikTok, I've started a new series over there of why movie scenes are great. I've rigged up a new camera, so I'm going to try to do at least a video a week. He spends a lot of time away from me making TikToks, so please watch them. So please go follow me at Mike Distro on TikTok. And until next week, I will talk to you later. Go out and watch good movies. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.